Our reading tonight is from John's Gospel, chapter 2, beginning at verse 13. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and turned over their tables. Then, going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. But the Jewish leaders demanded, What are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. What? they exclaimed. It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days. But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray? God, thank you for your presence tonight. Thank you for being with us. We're so grateful, Lord, that we can meet with you. Thank you for your passion for us. Would you kindle a fire that is already in us, Lord? Would you kindle that flame, please? For the glory of your name. Amen. So, um, yeah, good evening. It's nice to see you all. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Jo, and um, I worship here. I work in a hospice in Carlisle, but I worship here on a Sunday. So I am a minister, but I just haven't got my dog collar on tonight. I took it off, actually, and I've been out this afternoon, and I forgot to put it back on again. So anyway, um, yeah. So um, what you didn't hear in that passage was just before Jesus had gone to Jerusalem for the Passover, they'd, um, he'd had a mini break, actually. <laughs> he'd been down to Capernaum with his mum and his, some of his brothers and disciples, and they'd gone down and had a few days by the beach. So I love that this starts with a mini break. I'm all about mini breaks. Um, they'd been at a wedding together. They'd been at um, Cana in Galilee. That's where Jesus had done his first miracle of turning the water into wine. And um, I imagine, probably, I mean, I don't know, 
your first miracle, like, what does that even feel like? Who knows? But I can imagine that at the end of that wedding, um, pretend, I mean, I don't know what the, the, what the ancient version of I need your autograph or can I have a selfie? But, you know, I imagine it was pretty exhausting for Jesus because uh, weddings in those days kind of lasted between five and seven days usually. So, you know, not like ours. We have like one night of dancing and we're all tired out, aren't we? We've got blisters on our feet. But, you know, then it was five to seven days. So anyway, wedding, mini break, on to Jerusalem for the Passover. So Jesus goes into Jerusalem and... um, and we've heard, he arrives at the temple. And I think he was probably, shock is probably an understatement by what he saw. Now, the traders, it's not that they shouldn't have been there, it's just they shouldn't have been inside the temple. So generally speaking, they were outside, and that's where people came, and they bought the doves, or the cow, or the sheep, depending on what the sin was, or what they were offering to God. It might have been some grain, it just depended on what they were bringing, what they needed to do. And then they would um, buy these things and then take them into the temple and give them to the priest. And the priest would either slaughter the animal, uh, maybe cook it. Some of the animals they used to half cook, a bit gross really, but some of them they'd eat. um, And the wine they'd be given. So there was a whole lot of stuff going on. But what happened was this wasn't outside the temple, this was inside. And it should have been the place where people were just gathering to pray. So a bit like coming into the narthex, finding a petting zoo or something similar, you know, which would be, you know, noisy, right, smelly. Um, So Jesus was just like, what the heck's going on? What are you doing? Get out! And he was so cross. And I can remember as a child reading this story and uh, thinking, how, how... how did Jesus do that and not sin? How can he, how can he, sorry, I've just seen the sign, unmute your microphone. Okay, thanks. I like it, that's good, that's like a BBC thing going on there. How's that? Can you hear me better now? Sorry. I think it's because I was standing here, it's because I flipped a little bit. If I stand here, can you hear me? Is that all right? Okay. (laughs) Right, lost my thread, hang on. Where did we get to? Yeah, so we we were out in the narthex with the petting zoo. So, you can imagine, actually, it would be not particularly nice if you came to church on a, on a Sunday morning to find a whole load of animals out there and people with money, like getting your money. Money, money, money. I mean, we have the fair trade, but the clue's in the name. It's fair trade. It's not like anybody's taking our money and charging us double. And, you know, it's going to a good cause. People are getting fair wages. But, you know, these guys potentially had, um, you know, they were being a bit, oh, foreign currency. Yeah, I'm just going to wrap that up a little bit of higher a bit higher that all oh, the exchange rate it's not looking good for you no so you know it was it was not good it was not good and Jesus was not impressed people wanted to come in they wanted to pray they wanted to worship and they wanted to bring their sacrifices so yeah he was angry it was righteous anger he didn't sin in his anger it was righteous anger rightly so get out get out and take your stuff with you this is a place to pray this is a place to worship. And not only did he that, did he do that, but he fashioned a whip. I mean, what? I was thinking of a, a prop tonight, a visual aid. I was thinking whip. But I was thinking, oh, no. <laughs> no, it's too far beyond my, you know, I can give you a sermon, but I can't make a whip. Probably should have asked Rob or Caleb. They could have, probably could have made me one. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah. And uh, as the disciples watched this going on, they remembered this uh, thing from years and years ago, um, back in the, from Psalm, Psalm 69 it comes from, and it says, um, zeal for your house will consume me. And they were like, oh, light bulb. Zeal for your house will consume me. And they could see that Jesus was consumed with zeal for God's house. In Psalm 69, David wrote Psalm 69, King David, and he wrote it from a place of being um, just feeling up to his neck in sin. He felt consumed with sin. He felt like he was in the miry depths, he'd feeling he had completely messed up, and the weight of his sin was weighing really heavily upon him. And he prayed in that psalm, he prays that others wouldn't be affected by his sin. So he knew he'd messed up, and he was saying to God, please don't let others be affected by the sin I've done. And he said, you know, I'm worn out. It says, I'm worn out from calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. And I wonder how many of us have felt like that. At some point, we can feel weighed down by our sin. You know, we might not think it's, um, you know, we might think, well, it's not really a big sin. Well, what is a big sin? You know, I personally think they're probably pretty much on a par. I mean, you may disagree with me. There's stuff that goes on that's horrendous. But do you know what? When you're, when you're just doing little white things, those little white things, actually, they grow. And they grow. And they become this horrible thing that's going on. And sometimes it can feel like it's ever before us, like we know what we've done and we carry that sort of uh, guilt and burden around with us. Um, And also, David said, he feels the weight of false accusations against him. But in all of that, so in all his sin, in all of the weight of the false accusations against him, the zeal for God's house didn't leave him. So even though he felt awful, he still, somewhere inside, had a passion for God. And it was that that consumed him. We know that David was a worshipper. So back to Jesus. He's cleared them all out of the temple, and he's given a prophetic word about what's going to happen to him, about the raising of the temple. Actually, do you know, it struck me. It didn't strike me when I was preparing the sermon, but it struck me as I, as I sat there tonight. They said, what? It's taken 46 years to build this temple. This year, I turned 46. It's taken God 46 years to get me where I am today. Yeah. So thank you, Lord. Do you know what? Yeah, I used to think, oh, 46. I was thinking 46. I reminded my children this year that they they kind of something. I think my daughter still thinks sometimes in my 30s. She said, oh, I keep thinking in your 30s. No, darling, 46 this year. Anyway, I'm very thankful for every day that God gives me, I tell you. I really am. Anyway. (laughs) Um... So anyway, Jesus has cleared the temple and then he goes on to do many miraculous signs and people believed in his name. And here's the thing, right? It says many believed in his name, but Jesus didn't trust them for he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature because he knew what was in each person's heart. Many believed in his name, but Jesus didn't trust them. 
wow, yeah, I read that. And I thought, why have I not ever read that before? How many years have I been a Christian? 25-ish, 20, something like that, I don't know. And I've, I've never seen that verse before. I mean, I have, but it's just never light bulbed for me. He didn't trust them, for he knew all about people. He knew what was in each person's heart. He cleared the temple, I think, probably, ultimately, because he knew that there was greed going on in their hearts. He was driving out the market changes, he was driving out the greed, and they'd somehow wormed their way inside the temple. It was a, what is the temple now? Well, the temple, you know, where is? I mean, we're here, we're here, we worship God here together, but where is the temple? Where's the temple now? Thank you. It's here. It's in me. It's in you. This is the temple today. So if we are the temple, I would say then, where are the money changers in our hearts? Where's the stuff that shouldn't be in our temple? Where is it? And what needs to be swept out? What does Jesus need to come in and sweep out to clear our temple? It's very easy to bring a sermon that's lovely and it's a bit like having a nice little pet in your arms and I could stroke you and it's all lovely, but that would be doing you a disservice. It's about having a bit of a challenge sometimes. And yes, we are forgiven. I don't want you to think that you, you know, your salvation's lost. No, it's not. You're in Christ. You're a new creation. You're, you're bought by the blood of Jesus. Your name's engraved on the palms of God's hands. You are safe. But what is in your life that is displeasing to God? What is in my life? I am not perfect. Ask my children. They will tell you I mess up. Very open to you asking my children. You know, so, I do want to think about tonight the stuff that's blocking God. uh, David felt up to his neck in it. You may not feel up to your neck in it. Maybe you do. Uh, Maybe you're feeling the weight of false accusation. That happens a lot. You know, we see that on social media, don't we? We see that on the news, false accusations against people. Seen only the last 24 hours, 36 hours prominent celebrity you know it's a false accusations and well I'm not saying it was false it might have been true but you know there's a lot that social media has to answer for in, in slinging uh, false accusations at people wherever you are perhaps that is stopping you I wonder from worshiping God it's very great we hear the music and I love that tonight guys thank you so much like I felt really close to God that's really a blessing and I think sometimes in that God can lift things off of us if we're open and honest as we're worshipping him. But I think sometimes there's stuff that's there that's hanging on that sometimes just we don't feel, well, it's not doing it for me tonight. Oh, really? Well, I suggest that's not the music. I suggest that's you. Thank you very much. Well, church doesn't give me, you know, I don't really come because, yeah, really? Mm. I wonder what's really going on there. What's going on in you? What's going on in you? Jesus wants his temple clean and free from stuff that would stop worship and relationship with him. So the visual aid that I went for, rather than a whip, is this. (laughs) Now, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Anybody follow Mrs. Hinch? Anybody got the Hinch journal? Is it only me? Oh, it's only me. Oh, well, never mind. Well, I like a bit of cleaning. You wouldn't think it from where we live, but I do like cleaning. 
got a week off this week, so I should do some housework. So I brought with me some of my tools. This is not an advert. This is just for show. Right. If this little painted dot wasn't on here, we'd have a very nice clean paint. Right, represents our hearts. And here is a spot of sin. So, I thought, we'll get, the, we'll, get, we'll, get the, we'll get the spot off tonight. We'll clean it so that we can see what a clean heart looks like. Okay, so here's our, here's our heart. Uh, well, it's not really coming off with my tissue. Well, it's all right. I've got some soapy water. No, that's not coming up. Okay, well, elbow grease. Mrs. Hinch swears by this stuff. I don't want to get it on my dress because it might take the colour out. No, that's not coming out. Uh, what else have we got? Scrubbing brush. Water. No. That's not coming off. What happens if I... Jesus, Jesus, come out. Jesus, hallelujah. Still not coming off. Toilet wipes, going big to go in with the... I nearly bought the bleach. I thought that was probably a bit dangerous. So we'll go for the Parazone wipe. It's not even budging, actually. No, still there. Right. Anybody know they know what that is on there? What do you think that might be? Is it from my tomatoes? Oh, yeah, you're good. Right, so what do we need then to get it off? Nail varnish remover. Morrison special. I have to say, I didn't try this at home before, so I hope it works. Oh, yes. Look at that. There we go. Look at that. A lovely clean plate. I'm just going to wash that off there. <laughs> I, won't, I, I won't want my toast on that in the morning, will I, if I... Smells of nail varnish remover. Sometimes the things in our lives that are sin, that are blocking our life with God, are a bit like that stain. We can try all things to try and get them off. We can try all sorts of things. But you know, unless we are honest with Jesus and say, you know, Jesus, I need you to come in and make me clean and get that sin out. Tell Jesus what it is. Jesus said, it, it talks about him saying, well, I never knew you. Away from me. I never knew you. I don't want to be that person that Jesus says, I, I didn't know you. I want Jesus to know every part of who I am. That's a, that's a dangerous place to be because it means we make ourselves vulnerable. But that's what Jesus wants from us. He wants us to be vulnerable before him. Because he doesn't come to condemn us. He doesn't come to tell us off for having a difficult spot in our hearts. But he comes to us to heal us. He comes with love and he comes with grace. He doesn't come with elbow grease and parazone and Morrison's nail varnish remover. But he comes with tenderness and compassion 
And he comes to gently wipe that off and to set us free. But we have to be the ones, like Tim said this morning, we have to move out the barriers and let Jesus come in. So I want us to have a moment or two, or possibly three moments, thinking, what is the stuff in our hearts that's blocking life with God, that's blocking worship and prayer and life with Jesus. What's blocking it? So we're just going to have a moment of quiet. We're just going to close our eyes. We're not going to look around. We're just going to have a moment of quiet, and we're going to bring those things now to Jesus. Jesus, our hearts sometimes can feel very tender and sometimes quite sore because we're hurting. Sometimes our hearts can feel hard because we've not let you in properly for a long time. Jesus, would you come now by the power of your Holy Spirit to soften hearts? to heal the sore and hurting hearts. Hearts that are jaggedy because they've been broken and scared to let you in because how can we possibly trust anybody when we've been so very hurt by others? Jesus, thank you that we can entrust our hearts to you. So I want you to please hold your hand, keep your eyes closed still, keep, put your hands out in front of you as a sign of receiving Jesus' healing for your heart and you saying, Jesus, I give you the muck inside my heart. I give you the pain, the disappointment and I receive your healing. I welcome you in. Holy Spirit, would you come please and fill us now? Come and fill us. Bind up our wounds and revive us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Amen.